Hello, giblets. Welcome to another Gazette. It's uh, State of Origin Week, mm. which is always very exciting for rugby league fans, sporting fans in general. Uh, I think it's taking over the world now, State of Origin. Everybody seems to be talking about it. Everyone's excited about this week's match, Julian Abbott. They are, and I see the NRL has put up, hello, fellow giblet and giblets out there. Um, I see the NRL have put a, a poster up, a big sign, a board up in Adelaide saying, real footy's coming to Adelaide. I'm not sure how that will go down. And I don't think it's actually sold out yet for the Adelaide Oval either. So, and then, of course, we've had the heartbreak this morning with uh, Latrell Mitchell being ruled out with a minor calf injury. And believe it or not, Nathan Cleary might miss the match because of a wisdom tooth problem. What's going on there? Goodness me, a rugby league player with a wisdom tooth. That is very, very concerning indeed. Uh, what's the world coming to? So, Julian, you and I could talk about it, but we don't really know no. what it's like. We've never been there. We've never been there at the coalface. So we thought that uh, for the Gazette this week, we should turn to somebody who has been there. He's been there. He's seen the highs and he's seen the lows. He's seen the very, very highs and he's seen the very, very lows of State of Origin Rugby League. Mr. Clinton Shifkowski, welcome to the Gazette, Clinton. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. An absolute pleasure to be here. Are you excited? Do you get pumped in uh, State of Origin week? Oh, absolutely. Like every Queenslander does, it's the best time of year. Um, the NRL takes a little bit of a backseat and uh, State of Origin comes in and, and takes over and just just the reporting in and around it now, like the, the, the Latrell news and the Nathan Cleary news, it's, it's just so much hype in and around it. It's awesome. Best time of year for rugby league fan. You know, can, just ex- before we talk about the, the match this week, I grew up in uh, country Western Australia where we knew very little about State of Origin Rugby League, but we knew about State of Origin Australian football. It was huge up until the early 90s when the AFL started and then State of Origin fell away because nobody wanted to play it anymore. The teams didn't want to release their players. There was just no passion. There was no interest in it. But State of Origin Rugby League has gone from strength to strength. Why is that, do you think, Clinton? Uh, can I ask if you're a Queensland fan or a New South Wales fan? Well, first? <laughs> well, I, well, okay, I'll tell you. Uh, I've spent a lot of time. You're one of those fed sitters. No, no, no. I spent a lot of time in the ACT, so I think I the most ACT residents don't they, Julian, uh, align themselves with New South Wales. Yeah, no, we're blue. We're blue. Although I did, I did work with somebody for a very long time, uh, Clinton, and um, uh, he was born in New South Wales. He started following Queensland because he was working at Mount Isa at the time. Strange man. So he's a Queenslander, even though he's blue through and through. Mm. Ah, great stuff. Great mm. stuff. Who's, who we got? Oh, I'll give you his initials, TG. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the great man, Tim Gable. Good stuff. So he's a closet Queenslander from way back. So Closet something. He's always he always sits on the fence, yeah. But no, it's, I just always – and then when I came to Canberra from Perth uh, and I, just the passion and the excitement that surrounds State of Origin, it was like, wow, how do they get this and the AFL can't get a State of Origin competition up and running? Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, it, well, that was the key to it way back when. I think it was late, early 90s. Um, and they finally got the Queenslanders back playing for Queensland. That's how it wasn't in the in the old days. You had all the best Queenslanders down in New South Wales representing New South Wales, which was crazy. So then the great Arthur Beetson story come back was a rooster, played for Queensland, his home state, and and the rest is history. It's just growing and growing over the years. And there's there's no competition like it in world sport. I think just the rivalry, 
uh, how fierce it is. And, and there's some hatred there as well, which is really, really good. So, um, yeah, like I said earlier in the intro, it's just the best time of year to be a rugby league fan. And, and, and players see it as the pinnacle, like representing your country is great. Uh, you know, going off to a World Cup's great, but to play Origin is the pinnacle, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, obviously this year the Aussies won the World Cup, so it's, it's getting a little bit more of prestige, I guess, in the Australian jersey. But, yeah, every, I know every Queensland kid just dies to pull on the Maroon jersey, whether that's as a player or as a, as a supporter. And sort of getting that way a little bit with New South Wales, you know, they've really got that mentality when you start to bring in guys like Latrell Mitchell and, and Nathan Cleary, you know, they're starting to get some success as well. So, yeah, like I said, it just keeps getting better and better every year, the origin. It's great stuff. You've played twice, 2002, 2006, I think. Uh, 2002, take us back to that one, Clinton. That was a bit of a shellacking. You were on the receiving end of a, a bit of a toweling in that match, weren't you? Yeah, you're right. You said the highs and the lows, and that was definitely a low. It was game one, I think, 2002. Yep. Wayne yep. Bennett was the coach. Um, I was selected to play on the wing. Um, yeah, it wasn't the greatest. I, I thought I went okay, played okay. Um, we got beat 36-6. to six. Um, Andrew Johns just carved us to pieces. And there's a funny story. I remember after the game, I was on the wing and, and Darren Smith, the old Bronco Canterbury Bulldog, was my centre. He was inside me. He was about 35 at the time, Smithy. So he's just about finished. And we just got beaten. We're sitting in the sheds and I was sitting next to him and he said, Chuck, I'm going to give you some advice here. He said, see Springer over there, the kit man, that bag in front of him, that's the second jersey. He's going to tell him you want your second jersey. I said, why is that, Smithy? He said, mate, because... You and I aren't going to be here for game two. The first two people dropped is the oldest bloke in the team and the rookies, the rookie winger. So race over there and grab your second jersey. So yes, yes. he was spot on. So um, I got a call from Wayne Bennett the next week and he said he was going to leave me out. And, um, yeah, luckily I got that second jersey and I gave it to my father for his 50th birthday. So some of the best advice I ever got in my career. That, that brutal honesty there for you. Uh, what, tell, me about, tell me about the lead-up for the match for you? I mean, you talk about how much passion there is and Julian was mentioning how how important and how people will die in the ditch to play State of Origin. What do you remember about the the build-up? Well, from the time you got the call to say you were going to play to actually running out there onto the field, how was that? Yeah, good question. I do remember, actually. I sort of I was a little bit younger. I think I was about 23 when I sort of got my debut. So I, I don't... I wouldn't say I got overall, but I sort of, yeah, didn't really enjoy it for the moment that I was. I sort of stressed a little bit and worried about a few different things and uh, definitely a lesson I learned the second time around. I just went in there and enjoyed the whole experience a lot more. So I probably got caught up in it a little bit and sort of worried and stressed. So, um, yeah, so it was all a learning curve. And so once you ran out there, you felt you felt maybe half your match had already been played. You'd already left it in the sheds. Absolutely, yeah, it was a little bit like that. So it was game one, it was in Sydney, um, so never had the, you know, the luxury or the enjoyment of playing at Lang Park. The second one was down in Melbourne. So, yeah, I think that can definitely happen to young guys coming into Origin. They sort of play the game before they get out there. So um, definitely a lesson I learned. Obviously, you always want to go out and win a game, but obviously you want to win an Origin game. But is there that added sense of responsibility that you've got to do this for every Queenslander? Uh, that's the mentality. It really is. It's sort of bred into the Queenslanders. And, um, yeah, it was it was probably more so me just sort of getting ahead of myself and playing the game before I'd actually done it, you know. So uh, and that happens often to young guys. But, yeah, like I said once again, it was a really good lesson, not only for my representative career, but just even club level as well. So that's the beauty of Origin. You sort of 
think whether it's a good experience or a bad experience, I think you always come back a better player for it at club level. Just backpedaling a little bit, a little bit in that dressing room story about grabbing your second jersey, and he said to you, "Hey, Chock, I've called you Chock for as long as I've known you. How did you get the name Chock?" Uh, it's actually passed down from my father. His nickname was, yeah, we grew up in a little mining town called Moorabah, west of Queensland. Um, he's retired now. He's been a coal miner for 40 years. So uh, his nickname was Chocker. So I just got Chuck for short. So, yeah, thank Dad for that one. It's a hand-me-down. It's a hand-me-down. Yes, <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, he's my hero, my dad. So I'll take it. That's, yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. Do you, do you look at your dad and you think, wow, 40 years in the mines, that was working? Yeah, it was, especially early on, back in the old days. It's a little bit different now, but, yeah, mate, he worked really hard for myself and three sisters to give us all the opportunities we got in life. So, yeah, good man, and, and, and same with mum as well. So great town to grow up in, Moranbas. So it was a good story, actually. Myself, Josh Hannay, Travis Norton, and Dennis Scott all pretty much grew mm. up in the same street, just across the road wow. from the wow. primary school oval that had a footy field on it. So there was some pretty tough and rugged schoolboy footy games across there as we were growing up as kids. And, you know, in a population of about 9,500, I think, Moorambar, I don't think there's been another lad play in the NRL since us four, actually. So, yeah, it's a pretty cool uh, sort of uh, were, uh, were all their families involved? Is that why you live there, because of mining? It was, yeah. Everyone in the town's pretty much mining, a little bit of farming and, and, and the like, but, yeah, mostly just a coal mining town. So one of those great towns where the dads and the mums coached the the footy teams and the, the netball teams and drove the buses and organised everything. So, yeah, just a, a wonderful little town to grow up in and really good community. Now, now you're one of those rare players that have dipped the toe into the 13-man game and dipped the toe into the 15-man game. Hand on your heart, honest to God, which is the better game? Uh, yeah, good question again. Look, I'm going to be really honest. I... Uh, I, I probably did prefer to play rugby league. I just found it a bit more, um, like I was more involved and in the game. It was hard to, you know, and I had never played rugby union or I switched coach, so I just sort of learned it on the run. But I did enjoy the challenge. It was a lot more complex, you know, do I run, do I pass, do I kick, you know. So whereas rugby league's a quite simple game. But what I did enjoy about rugby was the experience, you know. I think in 10 years of rugby league, I went to Townsville and New Zealand and Penrith and, Within 12 months of rugby, I toured South Africa and played in Japan and played in the Barbarians game at Twickenham. And you know, I was living in Ireland with my wife and kids who were going to school there. So rugby league can't do that for you, whereas you know, rugby league, rugby union is, is truly a global game. You know, England, mm -hmm. Ireland, Scotland, France, South Africa, Argentina, Japan, anywhere in the world. It's crazy. So it yeah. taught you life lessons? Absolutely. Yeah, we took our kids and... I remember when we went to Ulster, I think my son, or our son was seven and our daughter was five. So they went to school in Ireland and, yeah, come back with little accents. So it was, it was, a, it was a great life experience and something I'm very thankful for. Just on that, Clinton, correct me if I'm wrong here, but your, the year you went across to rugby union was also the year that you played your second state of origin game, wasn't it? Was it, did it, was it about the same time? It was. It was. That's. That's. That, you said the lows and the highs, and that was definitely yeah, a high. Yeah. So, uh, I remember it was game three. It was a decider. I think Queensland had lost the previous two, maybe three seasons, and there was all this rubbish talk that Origin was dying, and that's right. You know, yeah. It was time for it to go, and Lockyer had to go, and Sivanasiva had to go, and and Steve Price had to go. So they're under massive pressure, the Maroons, and and they had all these injuries. I think Billy Slater was out. Greg Inglis was out. 
uh, Matty Bowen was out. So man, they pretty much had a team of second stringers, which I was one of. So myself, Adam Mogg, Josh Henney, the old lad from Murrumba, uh, Chris Flannery. So, so we were just a bit of a ragtag bunch. We had Darren Lockyer and Steve Price of Petro, and that was about it. And then we come out and won in game three and, it was actually the beginning of the run of eight as well. So I played a small role in that. So something, you know, now that I'm extremely proud of, actually. Well, I, what, did, what, I, I didn't hear that. The line broke up. I didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was the beginning of the run of eight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you say eight? Yeah. <laughs> eight, eight in a row. Absolutely mind-boggling. So what were the celebrations like, Clinton, after that? I was cool. I, 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 was, I was probably only... I probably only made the team because, you know, the great Mel Meninga, who was my first coach at the Raiders and is a great man and a good friend. You know, I don't think anyone else wanted me in the team, selectors, a few players, but Mel went into bat for me. He's great. He made sure I played fullback as well, which was pretty cool. And, you know, I had the kicking duties and, and I played a solid game and contributed. So very thankful to Mel. And, yeah, the celebrations were awesome afterwards. Did she you, got to go back you? and play club. But, yeah, you know, we had a few yeah. beers and we'd enjoy each other's company. It was awesome. So did you get the feeling when you walked into the change room that there were players there who didn't think you should have been there, that didn't think you belonged? Or or, or, or what was this, the feeling? Oh, no, no, I don't think it was that at all. I think it's if you senior players that sort of may not have been in the team at the time. So, uh, no, when I'm, you know, myself and Adam Mogg and, and all those fringe blokes, once we come in, you know, we, we were well and truly welcome in this anyway, Queensland do it. You know, some young players, Cameron Smith was a young player, Jonathan Thurston was a young player just making his way then. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah like I said, that that's, that's pretty cool, something I'll remember forever. And, and Clinton, had you made your mind up then? Had the, had the ink already dried on your decision to, to change codes? And, and how did being selected for State of Origin affect your mindset at that stage? Um, tell a little sneaky, um, yeah, it comes out a little bit now, I guess. Um, I had already agreed to terms, but I'd sort of kept it quiet because I was sort of hoping I might have been a chance to play in game three. And back in those days, it was blasphemy if you sort of chose rugby and you're yes, pretty much yeah. exiled from Queensland, a representative footy. So, um, yeah, I might have sat on that one for a few months just to, yeah, in hope that I'd get a game in game three. And it worked out okay. Who, who chased, who chased you from was, rugby? Sorry, yeah, who chased you from rugby? Okay. Uh, the great man, Eddie Jones. So obviously when I was at the Raiders, he was coaching the Brumbies and we used to do a lot of crossover training sessions. So, And the Beaver, as you know, Julian loves his rugby league and uh, we, we got on quite well and sort of stayed in touch. And yeah, then he got the job at the Reds and he was looking for some senior players. And as you know, he likes his league players. So he sort of reached out <laughs> through my agent, Steve Gillis, and, and we did a deal. And I sort of knew I was going to get into the field I'm in now and I thought maybe if I could switch codes and, and get overseas and build some contacts and networks, that would be my point of difference as a player agent. And um, so it was a bit of a business business decision as well. And it's sort of, it's all sort of worked out and panned out okay. So um, yeah, but like I said, Eddie's was great for me. He's sort of one of those guys, very polarizing. You either love him or you hate him. And I love him, you know, I still talk to him regularly. Just sure. Footy and life, he's a good man. Rugby union seems to go in dips and peaks, doesn't it, in this country? 
and it seems to be suffering just a little bit at the moment here. And, you know, I talk from the point of view from Canberra and then, you know, they'll get 8,000 the Brumbies on a Saturday night, but the Raiders will pull 14, 15 on the Sunday afternoon. And rugby just seems to be struggling, whether it's the way it's broadcast on TV now or anything like that. Knowing Eddie as you do, is, is Eddie the one to save rugby in Australia? I think he is. So even now, there's a bit of a swell behind him and some momentum just off the back of Eddie sort of driving that. Uh, I think the key is that they've got to have a successful uh, national team. It's, it's a little bit different to rugby league. Uh, Eddie knows that, you know, I think he'll be able to achieve that. So they just need success on the, on the global scale. And, you know, especially with the lead up to the Lions coming up in 25 and then obviously the World Cup here in 27. But if they can come out and win a World Cup in Australia, um, yeah. They'll, they'll have a leg in the air, Australian rugby. So, but if they don't make the quarterfinals, sorry, Julian, can I just yeah. sorry, Julian, I just want to take Clinton back to having made up that decision and then kept it to himself. Played in State of Origin, there must have been a moment when you looked up at the crowd when you were celebrating having won Origin and been part of that. Was there a moment when you thought, oh, maybe I should stick with rugby league? This isn't so bad after all. Uh, no, I'd well and truly made up my mind. Um, it was like I said, it was sort of a bit of a business decision for me as well, sort of get across and hopefully help me with what I was planning on doing post footy. But it was just, it was a good relief. I, there's a dreaded tag in rugby league, uh, the one origin wonder. So you don't want to yeah, be one of those. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's, it, like I said, it, it'd be just great to play one. But I remember Terry Madison, who was my assistant coach at the Raiders at the time, five, six years, great man too, and a good coach. And, he, he played one origin for New South Wales, so he used to always give me plenty of stick. So then when I finally got that second one in game three in 2006, I, I was able to sort of send the stick back his way, so it worked out okay <laughs> as well. I was just, I was just going to say with the Wallabies, I don't think anything less than a, a quarterfinal at the World Cup coming up would be deemed successful somehow. Oh, 100%. I think semi-final. And, and look, Eddie will have a goal to get in the final and, create some waves. So, um, yeah, look, they've got some really good young players coming through, like the, the Jorgensons and the Bells and you know, Will Harris and these types, and even even down at the Brumbies, Lalesio. And, um, you know, they've got some good kids. They just need to get some of those senior blokes going in and around them and possibly get a few back from overseas. And, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they give it a rock. You mentioned there that you always thought you'd end up in the job you're in now, which is a, a player manager, a player agent. Um, well, why was that? Uh, it was interesting. When I, I was sort of coming, sort of halfway through my career, I sort of went back to university and did a degree with business. And then I thought I'd sort of like to get in the club administration. Um, then I worked out pretty quick that, that wasn't for me. Uh, and then my agent sort of approached me about coming on board with him. So I thought that'd be great. You know, I'm not stuck in one club and I'm dealing with players at all clubs and then hopefully, you know, in another code as well. So, um, yeah, so I sort of gravitated towards that side of it and, and you know, I'm glad I did. I really enjoy what I do. Don't get me wrong, it has its moments sometimes, but, yeah, mm. like I said, mm. really love what I do. It's good fun. Was there much of an emphasis back then, Clinton, about for players to make sure that they had something to to go back to or something to, to, to move on to once they finished their playing career? Because, you know, a few decades ago, once you finish playing, there are a lot of players in all codes who just ended up on the trash heap because they had no training, they had no other skills in life, there was nothing There was nothing for them to do. I, I sort of would like to think that that's changed a little bit, but what was it like for you? 
Yeah, one hundred percent. When I first came into grade, like late nineties, they didn't really care what you did or what you were doing during your career or post your career. So that well, that sort of evolved as throughout my career. So then you've had the other guys who pass on their knowledge as well. But you know, I take my hat off to the NRL and even rugby and most sporting codes now. It's something that really mindful of that push the education out to all the players. Don't get me wrong, the players have still got to want to do it. You can't make them do something that they don't want to do, but there's so many positive messages out there, whether it's clubs, competitions, agents, coaches, you know, pushing that. And you see so many of the younger guys these days, they're so much more aware of it in terms of career opportunities, you know, investing their money, um, just yeah, super smart. And like I said, it's really refreshing to see it. It's changed enormously over the years, which is, which is a Indeed. huge positive for the game. Do you help them do that as a as a player manager? You know, when you've got a player who's coming to the end of his career, do you try and take him into that next stage of life as well? Absolutely. You know, sort of. I'm, a, I'm sort of going about 10, 11 years now, so I'm just starting to get some players go into that position in their careers now. So, you know, I've lived and breathed it, so I know what it's like. And you know, but like I said, you can you can't make them do something they don't want to do, but you can definitely put the tools and the people around them to sort of give them the best chance to succeed post career. Every industry has some bad apples and sometimes there's a, a few notorious player agents slash managers in the game. Do they give you a bad name, all of you? Uh, it's like anything. Everyone's different. I don't know if no style's right or wrong. Everyone does things differently. Um, yeah, like I said, there's, there's good and bad in every field, but you know, I think there's some excellent agents out there that do a really, really good job for their players and you know, have good working relationships with clubs, which is important, obviously, we're in there to fight for our players, but I think it's important that you have a decent, solid, respectful relationship with the people you deal with as well. And, and the league made you all become accredited, didn't they? They did, yeah. So that, that's been going for about 10, 11 years now. So it's a lot more controlled and regulated than it used to be. Um, I think it was pretty much the wild, wild west when I was a player and we had agents. But um, yeah, long overdue. And, and like I said, there's some great agents doing some really good stuff in the, in the player's space, which is what it's all about. At what age, if you if you hear about a kid, say, playing at the back of Queensland or, say, Coffs Harbour in New South Wales and you, you hear that this kid's got plenty of talent, what age would you be looking for for a, for a kid to come through, be it a boy or a girl, because, we've you know, NRLW has expanded this year, looking to play for a club? Where do you go? What what age is too young and what is the right age? Great question, Julian. Uh, at the moment, you're allowed to sign a player, um, January 1, the year they turn 15. So that's as an agent and as a club. Um, I think uh, for an agent, that's way too young. I think it probably should be 17 that you sign with an agent and then you sign a full-time NRL contract as an 18-year-old if you're good enough or NRLW contract. Um in saying that, young lads and ladies still need some advice when they're sort of 15, 16, because clubs can sign players as well, because everyone's going to coach them and develop them to hopefully get them ready to be professional footy players. But I think they could negate that as well as, you know, by just making the contracts possibly standard at that age, 15, 16, 17, where they get a little bit of a sign on and you pay the schoolboy levies to all their carnivals, their medical, that type of stuff. I think that would just take a lot of pressure and expectation of kids and probably more so their parents as well so that would be the ideal model for me but at the moment it's you can sign a lad or a young girl when they're 15 so yeah a little bit too young for me i think let's look at uh well before we look at state of origin uh game number one 
Interested to get your thoughts, Clinton, on the state of the game generally at the moment. Of course, player welfare is now front and centre. We uh, we see new rules coming in, concussion rules, uh, tackle rules. Where do you think we're at? Uh, are we at a place where we should be in terms of looking after the welfare of players on the field? 100%. I don't think it's ever been better. Um, it was pretty scary back when I used to play. You get yeah. punched in the head and not clean out. So I think anything they can do to make it safer and 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 better for the players is, is great. And I think they've got it in a really good space at the moment. Um, you know, the footy's outstanding. It's, I think the game's ever been better, more competitive. Club level, you've got everyone, you know, who's pretty much on an even playing field, so it's great. So I, I commend it. I think it's long overdue, and, 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 and it's all about looking after the welfare of the players and, yeah, and getting a better product on the field. Did you ever get knocked out? Yeah, I had a few concussions throughout my career, sort of nothing too over the top, but yeah. Does that worry you now? Do you, do you think about that now when you hear about all these players and, and, and what happened on the field and, and many years later, what they find out about that? Uh, no, I've sort of sat in on a few seminars and stuff with a few doctors and, and it's been really encouraging actually. So there's some great studies going in onto it and sort of a lot of stuff that gets sensationalised a little bit as well. So uh, obviously always worried about it, but the, the protocols they have in place for sort of ex-players to sort of get checks are excellent and even in that space so I think that's long overdue and they're doing a really good job of that as well. The AFL is facing a couple of class actions over concussion. Um, can't be too far away for the NRL can it? I think that's the, I think they've already had a few years you know in the past as well that sort of didn't really eventuate to anything um, in terms of the NRL so yeah it'll be interesting how that plays out but you know, all they can do now is, you know, put the protocols in place and, and make it as safe as they can, which they are, and, and it's a credit to them. So well done to the. We had that. We, we had that frightening incident on the weekend with the Raiders. Corey um, had a wear in Naira, going down and having a seizure on the field. As a player manager, if you were his player manager, what what would you be advising him to do? Um, listen to the medical staff. You know, they'll have some great people in and around him, and you know, and and make sure he looks after his health and well-being first, which I'm sure he will. Seem put a message out on, on his socials and, yeah, he looks a lot better than he did on the weekend. So, um, yeah, he'll have the best people in and around him and, and they'll make sure they look after his welfare. Did you ever see anything like that as a player? No, nothing like that. Obviously, we spoke off air about the, the guy in the NFL last year and a few soccer players and the like. But, um, yeah, it was it was pretty crazy and, and really scary, but it's just good to see him up and about and looking a lot better now. All right, lads, time to put our reputations on the line here. 3 uh, 0. 3 0, Queensland. Let's go. finished. Let's go. Okay, now we, that, that's with the heart. Now we're going to go with the head. Uh, the, the, 3 0. The, the troll. The <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous, actually. Are you? Yeah, I am. I think we, we, in, the Queensland teams generally pick and stick. With their old try and you know tried and true, and then Billy's gone very young, especially in the back line. So it'll be interesting to see that plays out. I was really nervous with Latrell Mitchell in the side, but obviously now he's pulled out with that calf injury. I think that does bring their back line back to the pack a little bit. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. What about no big papa for Queensland though? Yeah, no, he was enormous on the weekend for the Green Machine, wasn't he? Made it, they yeah, yeah. stop him in that first 20 minutes. So um, I think Billy would love to have him out there on Wednesday. But uh, he's he's finished an awesome representative career and gone out on his terms, and it's great to see he deserves that. And you know, he can give 100% focus to the Raiders. But um, 
just, just on that, just on that though, Clinton, were you surprised? I mean, you know, we talked at the start about how players, this is for them the dream, but we've had a couple now who have said, that's it, I don't want to play Origin anymore. Yeah, I think it just comes back to him wanting to give the Raiders 110% for the last, you know, for the back end of his career, which is great. And it's exactly what he did on on Saturday night. He, yeah. he was enormous. That's as, that's as good as an opening 20 minutes as, as I've seen from a middle forward, actually. Super. And, and not knowing what has happened to the Blues on the Monday today with Mitchell out and possibly no Cleary, although I've never heard someone missing a game because of a toothache. He'll be there, Julian. Um, he'll be there, but how much do you think they'll miss Jack Whiten then, who seems to be pretty fired up this season? Yeah, he's playing really. He's just made for Origin, isn't he? If he's a Queensland, he would have played 50 Origins, that kid. So big body, aggressive, can play a number of positions. Yeah, Nico Hines gets a shot. It's probably long overdue, so I'm um, really looking forward to see how he goes in the Origin arena. I'm sure he'll do well. So Julian, uh, Clinton's been honest. Do you see any chinks besides obviously Mitchell missing? Uh, the the makeup of the side generally. What do you reckon? Oh, I just I look. You know, obviously the spine's taken a hit for the Blues. Um, you know, going into the game with just the one hooker as well. There's no sort of designated backup there. Um, you know, we'll be right. We'll win. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what about? I mean, arrogance. New South Wales arrogance. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Does it miss something? I, being... I don't know about Adelaide. Adelaide's a funny old menu to play Origin. I was going to ask you about that. Does it take something away from it, taking the game? To, I mean, we know why the, the codes do it. It's about spreading the love and and that. But um, there's got to be a little bit of atmosphere missing, doesn't there, on Wednesday night? Yeah, I don't know. Like any other code, I'd say yes. But, like, you could stick Queensland versus New South Wales in Egypt and they'd still just go there and bash each other and hate each other. So it won't matter. There'll be that many people watching it on TV. It's, it's yeah, the other codes just must look at it and say, how do we get something, even a little bit equivalent to that? It's just next level crazy. Well, we'll all we'll be a little bit the wiser. Uh, Clinton Schifkowski, it's been great having you on the Giblets Gazette. Thank you for your insights. I know we've held you up a long time sitting on that side of that. Luckily, it's not a busy road, mate. Where are you in the back beyond, are you? <laughs> no, I've got, I've got a nice little back street, mate, so all good. An absolute pleasure to be on, guys, any time, and um, hopefully the Green Machine can bring it home in 2023. Yeah. Well, let's just quickly ask about who do you support now? Come on. Yeah, man. yeah, good question, Julian. Another good question. Again, you got all the best questions, Julian. Really. Questions. I like it. Push That's me, why he's push on, me on the spot. Yes. Uh, oh, look, I've got a soft spot for the Raiders. Always have and always will. Um, but if I'm being honest, I'm just cheering for our players. You know, I've got a number of players across the competition. You just always want them to play well and stay injury free. So, do you have a do you have a doctor that you see that will pick the splinters out of your ass at any time? Or? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was, I'm a green machine man at that heart. So, yeah, look, I was cheering for them immensely when they had the grand final. They went so close. Um, yeah, but they're, they're building nicely again now. They've sort of had yep. about five from six, and you know, if you yeah. ask Coach Ricky Stewart, they're probably still not playing the best footy, but they're finding a way to win, which is a good sign, especially at this time of year. Isn't it funny? Like it was yeah. only a few. Weeks ago, Julian, that everybody was calling for Ricky to be sacked. Yeah. Go, Ricky, go. <laughs> stay, Ricky, stay. Right, really. like, oh, uh, it, the fear in the game's great. Look, I, I don't think I've ever seen the game in as good a place as it is at the moment. Sort of reminds me of the late 90s, early 2000s. You know, got a lot of the top teams who are sort of coming back to the pack and bottom teams who are beating them. Do you think, do you think the Dolphins, uh, the Dolphins invigorated the game this year? 
One hundred percent. I think it's been it's been amazing. It was interesting. I, I, I ABC Grandstand. I tipped them not to win a game all season. Can you believe that? Why have we got you on this podcast? Yeah. I know. I know. I get a few things right, but I get a lot of things wrong as well. So it was a little bit tongue in cheek, but um, yeah, don't worry. Q and the boys let me know about it every week they win. So, but it's just great to see Wayne Bennett's done an amazing job. Yeah. He's uh, he's some coach in terms of pulling. You know, to be fair, they're not the greatest squad on paper, but um, he's got some players who are out of form and probably on the scrap heap last year. But if if a player, if, I know we're going a bit overtime here. Sorry, Ross. But if a player wanted to play for a coach, a lot of them would say Wayne Bennett, wouldn't they? Oh, absolutely. That's 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 what he's good at. You know, he just knows how to manage a group of guys and get them all wanting to play for him and and one another, and, and it's a it's a powerful thing. And he just keeps the footy side of it very simple and he just empowers the players that he has around him. I don't know how he does it. It's, it's an art that a lot of people don't have and it's definitely a strength of his. And, of course, an extra team in the comp is good business for you. It is. You know, there's talk that, you know, they were going to push for another team at the next broadcast year, but some of the whispers I'm hearing, that may even happen, you know, off the back of the success of the Dolphins, you know, sort of mid-broadcast deal and you're starting to hear 20 teams and two conferences at 10 and, yeah, my, the game's never been in a Game, bad place. It's games, so exciting. games in Las Vegas. Uh, it, it's next level, you know, and credit to Peter Volandis. He, he might have went a little bit early on the TV broadcast deal, but he probably did the right thing at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, with the game having no assets, but uh, the game's in a great place and, yeah, it's, it's um, exciting times ahead for the NRL. Well, it's been fantastic chatting to you, Clinton, get some of your insights into your own experiences, but also your outlook on uh, where the game is generally. Uh, you can contact us at Gazette at outlook.com. You can hear this podcast on Spotify, TuneIn, Apple Music, all the regular places where you can hear good and ordinary podcasts. We don't differ. Uh, Julian Abbott, Clinton Schifkos, it's been fantastic talking to you, lads. Good luck. Go the Blues. Go the Maroons. Let's go. 2-1, Queensland. Hang him up, quick.